Letters from a Glass House is a not-for-profit ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Venice, Florida. Support us today at UUCOV.org. If we're going to start moving, if we want our lives to start moving, we have to start somewhere. So I'm going to start back near the beginning. I'm going to ask a question. Do you remember the first time you lied your bucket off to an adult? <laughs> you remember that first lie you told? I know for me, it involves standing there, and this is true, with a gumball in the side of my jaw. My, my mouth was bulging out. And my grimy little paws had the gum wrapper. And with all of the dignity I could muster, I said, no, I don't have a piece of gum in my mouth. <laughs> in your case, maybe you were the little stinker who broke the window or stood there with the electric green paint all over your shirt and shoes going, uh-uh, wasn't me. It wasn't me. Your parents may have stared at you with love and disappointment, and mine swear it was sheer surprise that I lied that badly. They expected more of me. <laughs> and they may have said to you, you know, give it up. We know it was you. I was absolutely dismayed. I don't know how you felt in that moment, but I was dismayed that I had been caught showing my love of sweets. I was absolutely embarrassed. I just wanted it to disappear. And the next time I got my hands on a big orange wad of bubble yum bubble gum, I got away with it. Because I had figured out how to lie like a little dog. I had learned to lie, at least until that gum got stuck in my hair. <laughs> New humans exist without having the faintest idea of how to lie. And for any of you who've ever been around a baby, those little stinkers couldn't lie if their life depended on it. They're just all there, right? They're all, it's all what you see is what you get. They're open, they are unashamed, they will pee in their own eye and grin at you. <laughs> they don't know what it is to be ashamed. Hi, I'm me and I'm here, love me. They get it. In the Tanakh, or the, the Hebrew Bible, Adam and Eve, these mythological first people that we hear about, they also have that same amazing vulnerability. They're naked, they're unconcerned, they're hanging out, they're having fun. And in the story, their God is there walking with them, literally, in that same garden. And it walks up to them and it tells them, look, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're having fun. And there's one rule. Don't eat from that tree, that one right there, that tree. Don't eat it. What did I say? Don't eat that. It's the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And you don't understand what that is. So just don't eat it. And like any other humans that have ever been, what happens the minute dad's back is turned? 
that big neon sign that he accidentally put over that tree that says, eat here, lights up. (laughs) And they run over and they eat, and there they are with their sticky little hands and their cheek bulging with a big bite and their eyes open wide and they realize, oh my goodness, I am naked. So they go hide and they wait and they sew together some leaves to cover their bits, which they have just realized are things that shouldn't be out in the open. And then they hide some more. And their God comes walking past again and he's calling out, Ika, Ika, it means where are you? And Adam was brighter than he looked. And he realized God wasn't particularly asking, in which shock of bushes are you hiding your silly rear end? Adam goes for the gold. He says, I heard your voice and I was afraid because I knew that I was naked. So I hid. And God starts tapping his toe and says, who told you you were naked? And like any three-year-old that has just realized there is an inner and an outer world, Adam first hides his bits and then his whole body and then his guilt. Points to Eve and says, she did it. (laughs) And she sees a snake wandering along and goes, oh no, it, it was him actually. He did it. He made me do it. So the first mistake, the very first mistake, the first sin, if you will, that Judaism and Christianity and Islam all recognize isn't murder or rape. It isn't even theft. Adam wasn't scared because he stole a fruit. I was afraid because I was naked. I was afraid that you would see me. I was ashamed of what I was showing the world. I was ashamed that you'd see what I screwed up. The story of Adam and Eve is about the moment when relationship is damaged, when covenant, like the covenant we spoke this morning, when it is shattered, when trust is broken. It's also about the moment you thought you knew someone, and they go and do something, and you find yourself asking, Aika, where where are you? Who are you? Who's the real you behind your actions? As a child, you believe that all things are one. How many of you thought your mother could read your mind? Anybody? (laughs) Most of you? I was convinced. We don't recognize the difference between inside and outside. But as we age, that kind of nudity would be unbearable. Can you imagine being in puberty and thinking your mother can read your mind? (laughs) It becomes absolutely unbearable to be that naked. I put on layer after layer to hide who I am as I get older. And I'm absolutely fascinated by the differences in this story between Judaism and Christianity Because in the Christian text, once God realizes what Adam and Eve have done, God makes them garments of skin to replace their leaf coverings. And this is taken to mean that God used animal hides. Anybody who ever had a children's Bible, you saw Adam walking around with the little furry pants. Awesome. 
but it's almost heartbreaking. It says that the parent realizes that the child has now entered into a permanent state of hiding their vulnerability. They're aware of it, and they're hiding it, and the parent's aware that they should be doing so and thinks it's the right thing to do. I want you to think about that for a minute. That is like your child coming up to you and saying, Beloved parent, Jimmy told me I was ugly. And instead of saying, Sweetheart, you're beautiful just the way you are. You're perfectly imperfect. You're stunning. And Jimmy can go pound sand. No, it's the equivalent of saying, eh, you are kind of ugly. Here's a mask. That's what that story tells in that version. But that isn't the one I like. There's a mystic Jewish version. There's a Hasidic Jewish version of this. It says that garments of skin is a literal phrase. That prior to this point, Adam and Eve weren't made of flesh. This is a teaching tale. Prior to that point, Adam and Eve were not made of flesh, but only inner light. The moment of clothing the souls in flesh, humanity became physical creation. And that that physical creation is in and of itself a lie. Because it caused humans to forget or obscure the fact that they are sacred in and of themselves. And to become so accustomed to hiding in their own flesh that they couldn't see that fire that they were made out of. Their actions caused by their physical bodies were a lie. They were ways of coping with environment and culture and physical situation which in no way reflected what they really were. Sparks of fire, sparks of stardust, sparks of God, whatever you want to call it. This is the opposite of what you hear in a Christian Sunday school. In the Hasidic version, God didn't forget that holy fire was there. God tried to let them know that God wanted them to be seen. Ica, where are you? Even knowing they had eaten, God still wanted to see them. Their God still loved them, still thought they were perfect, even mistaken, even embarrassed, even foolish, even misguided. Be naked, trust me to see you. I'll dress you for your sake, but let me see the real you. Ica, where are you? The divine of our hearts, the the spirit of humanity, it doesn't matter what you call it. It calls out to each of us to ask that same question to every person we meet. Ica, where are you? Metaphorically, where are you? Who is the being of sacred fire under the cover of circumstance and physicality and essential lies? You say it to the prisoner in the new Jim Crow jail, to the underpapered immigrant, to the substance abuser, to the scared and the tired and the all screwed up, to the rich and the famous. You dare to ask that question because what you're seeing is a lie. Ica, where are you? Every child is a holy child made up of divine light, covered by garments of skin. And we're holy children ourselves. And it's our job to call each other into honest relationship, to see the light, as it were, 
and to let our own light show. Where are you? Where have you been? How does it feel to come out from under those bushes and to get caught with your fig leaf down? How does it feel to show yourself honestly to other human beings, to know that you can be seen with love and compassion, and that all the things that have taught you that you are naked are not beyond understanding. You have to know that your mistakes and your errors don't define you. Your flesh is a hiding place for something perfect. Underneath the clothing of skin you are wearing, you are fire, and naked is awesome. Adam and Eve hid together. They weren't ashamed of being seen by the other one. Do you ever think about that? But they knew the other one had done the same thing they had. They had both taken a big bite. It's easy to avoid shame and guilt when you feel like everybody is as screwed up as you are. Isn't it hard when you think they're perfect? Read Facebook for about a week. No one is that perfect. They're all lying. We need a witness to see us exactly as we are, with the gum in our cheek or in our hair, the bite of the apple dripping down our chin. We need a witness who can mirror our light back to us and let us do the same to them who can hear us and we can hear them when they say, Aika, where are you? And I can tell you from my own perspective, when I was 20, I didn't have a safe place to live. I was in college full-time and living on the street half the time. There was no safe place to sleep a lot of the time, so we would sit, five or six or ten of us, out behind a thriftway. It had a big stone wall, brick wall behind it, and we'd all sit on the wall all the way up until the middle of the night. And the store would put out its bread and its cake, and they'd get around the law by putting out a table with a sign on it that said, For the birds. We love those daggone birds. Mostly because they didn't want any of us getting in the dumpster, but some people got in the dumpster anyway. And we'd sit, and we'd talk, and we'd smoke, and we'd laugh. We'd eat those birds' bread. I hope the birds didn't starve. And sometimes the security guard would chase us, and I'd slam on my little Sony Walkman headphones, and I'd stomp away, muttering under my breath, only to sneak back in an hour or two and get chased off again. But that year, it was a few nights before Christmas, and it was really cold. And finally, there were only two of us left on the wall, and the shelters were full. And we didn't have anywhere else to go, even in a snowstorm. I was miserably thin, about 122 pounds at 5'8". I was wearing a fleece-lined jean jacket over two or three shirts and a pair of jeans and loafers without socks. My friend had on high heels, and she wrapped a man's T-shirt around her elaborate hairstyle to try to keep the snow off of it. About 3 a.m., the security guard came out, and it was the same middle-aged black guy that chased us 400 times a week. Except this time, he really looked at us. We weren't dangerous. We weren't monsters or criminals. Aika, where are you? 
I was Middle Eastern. She was white. I had hair down to my waist. Aika. We were just two scared to death human beings. We were tired and scared and beaten up, starving kids a long way from home and with nowhere to go. And he went back inside and he came out with hot chocolate. And he asked our names and he asked why we were there. He asked about my Sony Walkman and why he hadn't seen me with it lately. And when he found out I didn't have batteries, he went and bought me some. He got us food. And then this man who didn't know us from Adam, he opened up his car and he said, you can sleep here tonight. I get off at 7 a.m. And he let two thug kids that he didn't know sleep off a snowstorm in his car with hot chocolate and snacks. And just for a minute, I could see my fire that I thought had died. It was right there. It was right on his face. He saw me. He saw her. And we saw him. It feels safe to hide that light. The truth hurts, and it feels embarrassing and vulnerable, naked and raw, but deep peace comes with showing who you are. We come together in this place as a community to try to look at one another without those garments of skin. We come together to witness one another naked. And we're called to go out in the world and to try to do the same thing for our neighbors. And let me tell you, everybody's our neighbor. One life at a time. Aika, where are you? Ask the question. We can't spit out the fruit of the tree. We'll always know the mistakes we've made, what we've done, but it doesn't matter. We don't have to wear that forever. We can choose to make it right. You can choose to take off the garment of skins you've put on and wear the light you were born to wear. You are not your circumstances. You are not every error you have ever made. You are not your job or your wealth, your poverty, or any of a thousand other things. You're not your addiction. You are holy, and so are all the rest of us, and we're called to honor that amazing, blazing light. And you will probably never, ever hear this in a church again, but when you leave today, go forth and be naked. (laughs) Amen.